The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed, but the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hey everybody and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for Season 3, Episode 30. This week we went back to Season 3 because we had a major break in the case. Bob was able to get Troy Eldridge on the phone and actually draw a recantation out of him. It was pretty groundbreaking stuff. And I'm of course Mike Bussing and I'm joined today by Bob. Hey guys. And Zach. Hey, hey. Alright, let's get right into it. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, our first question comes from Rihanna. Was it really necessary to make us all cry like babies? <laughs> Can you give a rundown of what happens next for Jesse? And do you think Troy recanting will be the piece that gets Jesse released? I cried like a grown man. <laughs> Did you? No. So I figured you wouldn't because no, you, 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 never, you, didn't, you don't know Jesse. No, I don't. So what did, I guess, good start. What did you think of the episode as someone who had never listened to season three? As someone that hasn't listened, I, it was a very touching episode. And, and had I been invested like I have been, I definitely would have cried. Mm -hmm. But not being as invested that, you know, with that season as I have been the other ones, it, it was a very touching episode. And it was really neat to hear. Yeah. I thought, you know, between Mike and Shane. Oh, like, they killed it. Yeah. It, like, it's just the mechanics of that episode mm -hmm. were, were amazing. Big shout out to, of course, Mike with his editing and spacing. And then Shane mm -hmm. really just did a, a fantastic job with the music. When I listened, so, I mean, I, I recorded it, I wrote it. And mm -hmm. when I was driving to my son's wrestling tournament Sunday, I was listening to it and bawling like a baby. No, it was great. Which was, you know, after I, I knew what was coming and I was, yeah. and it got me. And not, and not to get into the technical side of it, but I mean, allowing those, those spaces in there you know with their, their, their actual spaces in conversation of right. them being upset you know that really provides a lot and that's my man here mike bussing because you know when we edit interviews we try to make them as clean and as listenable as possible mm -hmm. and so mike mike is the one that makes those decisions and you know i thought it was i thought it was a brilliant move where you you know when when just not only when troy was pausing and and thinking and and, and really wrestling with the concept but then also jesse you know, trying to compose himself and sniffling, sniffling and things like that. I thought it was a brilliant movie, leaving all that in there. Thanks, man. Mike's a very humble guy. He doesn't, uh, I just made him so uncomfortable by, by calling yeah, him out like that. He did. But no, I mean, the, the guys did a great job. So as far as, um, do we have to make you cry like a baby? That was probably the most common social media comment we got on all forms of social was, that people were crying at work, crying in the grocery store, crying while driving down the road, hiding from people because they were crying. And uh, all the credit for that goes to, again, Mike and Shane. Uh, what were the other two? I know she wanted to know what, what comes next for Jesse or 
Yeah, it was uh, if you think that Troy recanting is what's going to get Jesse released. Oh, okay. Yes, I do. Um, I don't know if Troy's recantation and what will later be, I'm sure become his testimony will be enough to get Jesse a claim of actual innocence because you know what it what it shows is that Troy doesn't have any evidence that Jesse committed the murder but what it doesn't show is that Jesse didn't commit the murder if that makes sense mm-hmm. and it's and it's a weird legal burden as a like if this was a new trial and you didn't have Troy then there is no conviction on Jesse because Troy was the only piece of evidence against Jesse Eldridge was his story and testimony. But now that we're in post-conviction, you have to prove, and it's not reasonable doubt, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt, you have to prove that Jesse didn't do it in order to get an actual innocence exoneration. Yeah, and what's the term? Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. Yeah, that's exactly right. Troy, Troy doesn't prove with his recantation that Jesse didn't kill Kiao Go. He just proves that he doesn't know if he killed Kiyoko, which should overturn Jesse's conviction because of a constitutional violation, the Fourth Amendment due process. He was convicted based upon false testimony. So that's why he will be, in my opinion, what's going to happen next is he will be awarded a new trial. His his conviction will be vacated and a new trial will be ordered. Yeah. So from my understanding, I mean, that's the, his testimony is the evidence. Right. So if it's not true or isn't there, there is no evidence at this moment. Yeah, and that's why so a lot of times recantations do not equal a new trial, but it's because they're looking at in post-conviction work the preponderance of all the evidence, right? So if you have, you know, there's DNA on the scene and two eyewitnesses and fingerprints on the scene and other circumstantial evidence that all indicates you did this and someone testifies that say, like in Jamie's case, someone testifies that you confessed. And they later recant. Well, that's not enough because, okay, so so basically what a trial judge would look at or a post-conviction judge would look at is, so he recanted. So if we take away his testimony, would there still have been enough to convict? And if the answer is yes, then, then most of the time, even though there was a due process violation, they're not going to overturn the conviction. In this case, there's nothing. There's one single element that convicted Jesse Eldridge, and it was Troy Eldridge's testimony who is now recanted. So that that should I keep saying should. Obviously, I don't know for sure, but from my understanding of what should be happening next is the the conviction should be overturned based on that. And then after that, so what will happen is technically, if that's what how this plays out, the conviction will be overturned, a new trial will be ordered, and then it'll be up to the Dallas County DA's office to decide, do we try him again or do we drop the charges? And I have to believe that they would drop the charges, especially considering, remember, there's a there's a conviction integrity unit working on this case. So somebody in the prosecutor's office is going to be, if Jesse's conviction is overturned, they're going to be a big part of it being overturned. So it seems very unlikely that one side of the DA's office is going to fight to overturn this conviction and the other side is then going to try to reconvict. All right, this one's from Mary. I'm curious, as I don't know how rewards work, if Troy's parents got the reward money for this, is there any consequences for it? I'm sure if there would be, it probably has run its course on the statute of limitations, but I'm still wondering. Also, I'm so appalled by this whole thing. I feel so sorry for Jesse in all of this, hoping he and Troy have some healing. 
So the reward money thing is is interesting because we don't actually know who got the reward. That's something that has – well, to be honest, I mean the CIU may know, but I don't know. And as far as I know, at least last when we were working on the case together, Allison didn't know either. The assumption is because of the reward that was offered by Mr. Gove and there was also a Crime Stoppers reward that was, you know should go to whoever gave the information that, that got the conviction – well, we know that the Crime Stoppers tip came in from it was it was supposed to be by the by the documents it was a friend of Jesse and Troy's mother that said you should get a hold of Troy about this. But we kind of determined during that season when you look at it in the information that was given, we're pretty sure that it was actually Troy's mom is the one that called in that tip. And and that tip led to the Jesse's conviction, so they should have gotten the reward money. But the problem is at trials, that's another potential constitutional violation. If we know who got the money, it was not disclosed to the defense who got it, which is uh, would be a Brady violation. If someone is paid for their testimony, that information has to be disclosed to the defense. And it wasn't if that's what happened. And again, you know, there's, there's really no other logical explanation as to where the money went. My opinion is that the money probably went to Carol, Jesse and Troy's mother, and not to Troy, just, and that's just based on my interview with Troy, just just reading his his body language and his nonverbal cues when I was interviewing him. He one of the few times he seemed like he was being actually truthful with me was when I said, "Did you receive the reward money?" And he very there's one of the few times he you know he sat up, looked me right in the eye, and said, "No, I didn't get it." But then I said, "You know, did your mother get the reward money or your parents?" And he's like, "Oh, right back to." looking at his feet, rubbing his chest, turning away from me, mumbling and stuttering, yawning, when he's like, I don't think so, I don't really know. Uh, but as far as any like prosecution from that, I don't know how that would work. I, I don't think that's anything that anyone would pursue, the fact that you know, it, if, it, what we're, if what we're looking at is perjury, the statute of limitations is up on, as you heard in the episode, which I want to talk about here in a second too, because the people were, some lawyers were concerned about that. So I guess let me address it now about about me uh, offering the legal advice to Troy. Just know this: there's more to that conversation than was aired on the podcast, and the CIU and the uh, IPTX already has the full recordings, and we've moved way past that, and everything's everything's fine with that. So just just know that, and I will tell you that Troy has been. I'm really getting off topic, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with where my brain is at at the moment. The whole perjury thing, so. What I was telling Troy was that the statute of limitations on perjury has expired, and it could actually be a felony if it's aggravated perjury, they call it. But again, that's also expired. The issue comes in where someone could be charged with perjury is if they don't believe what Troy is saying now. And I want to make sure that you all know that Troy was made very well aware of that fact, meaning if you tell us a different story than you told us 25 years ago, now, if you told a lie 25 years ago and you're telling the truth now, the statute of limitations on perjury are up on that 25 years ago thing, you know, the thing that you did, as opposed to if it was the other way around, if they determined that he's lying now, well, then, and he was telling the truth back then, well, they could hit him for perjury for what he's saying now. Now, there's also some possibilities out there. And again, you know, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. And that also is made very well aware to Troy, not on the air, but he he knows that I'm not a lawyer. I can't really give legal advice. But from my amateur point of view, you know, you, lawyers can try to 
prosecute for perjury based on when the offense became known. Meaning, you know, if, say, so police didn't know a crime occurred until 25 years later, then in some cases they could argue that the statute of limitations doesn't begin until they found out the crime occurred. But all that said to, be, to say this, we don't have a resistant district attorney's office right now. We've got a pretty amazing, uh, Cynthia Garza is the, the ADA that works with the uh, Conviction Integrity Unit. You know, and, and she's trying, not necessarily, you know, trying to free Jesse, but she has, has made very significant efforts in trying to get to the truth in this case. And there's just no way that where her position is right now is when we finally get some information that leads us closer to the truth, that she's going to turn around and try to prosecute Troy Eldridge for, for bringing the truth out. Camera says, do you think that when Jesse gets out that he will try to build a relationship with his brother? Does he believe that he was just a young, naive kid bullied by police? I can't wait to hear the podcast where Bob is standing there waiting for Jesse to walk out the gates. Yeah, I, I obviously can't wait for that moment either. It's, it's, it's kind of gives me chills to even hear somebody, you know, people starting to say that out loud, that that's something that can happen. And one of the most touching things to me in that episode was when Jesse made me promise that when he gets called back to court in Dallas that I'll be there. And as I told him, you bet your ass I'll be there. You couldn't keep me away. But as far as his relationship with, with Troy, yeah, I, I think that Jesse is going to make significant efforts to rebuild that relationship, which is pretty astounding considering what happened. And one of the coolest stories, elements of any stories we've ever told to me has been the evolution of Jesse Eldridge. If you, for those of you that listen to season three, and if you haven't, go listen. It's a good season. They're all great. But that season particularly is, is one of my favorites. But you go back to the beginning and you hear a very, a guy with his walls up, you know, he's, he's a tough guy, you know, he's, as he described it, he was a white guy in a prison where the only ways to really survive is to get involved in other gangs and groups and which are typically white supremacists and, and Jesse was never willing to do that. So because of that, he had to fight, he's had to fight his way through prison for 25 years. He's had no affiliation with any, anybody that could protect him. And so he was a very hardened man, and, and to, to watch him soften over the course of that season and further you know, up until now, and to hear his very genuine reaction when I had him on the phone and told him about Troy, you know, as he's kind of through tears saying, you know, just, man, he was just a snot-nosed kid, didn't know nothing. You know, they did this. I can't believe they did this to him. I, I think that, yeah, I think, I think what Jesse, when Jesse gets out of prison, I think that he's going to try to rebuild that that relationship with Troy. And that's, that, that's partially why I decided to name this episode, to title it Redemption, because I really feel that's what's happened for, for both Troy and Jesse. That was something I picked up right away, too, is the first question he asked when you told him was about Troy. And it wasn't about, it was like, what did they do to him? Right. He said, I got to know why. What yeah. did they threaten him with? And so that, I mean, I noticed that right away, that it, it wasn't about himself totally. Yeah, very little about himself, mm -hmm. and you know, that's why I kind of pulled out that little piece at the end where he wanted to make sure he told us about, told me about Kathy's brother dying. Like again, that that evolution of him. I mean, he just, he just found out that, that new information was found in his case that that very likely is going to set him free after twenty five years. And oh, by the way, Bob, make sure you get a hold of Kathy because her brother died. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean that's just you know there, there there's a Jesse's an onion for sure, a lot of layers. Mallory says, how did the lawyers handle the news of the recantation? 
Well, I, I can't speak for Cynthia Garza because I haven't I haven't had any contact with her, but I can Allison was absolutely elated, kind of in shock, kind of a little bit upset that I didn't let her know ahead of time what I was doing. Um, but I I think she's forgiven me for that. You know, we talked about it quite a bit afterwards and she understood the situation. You know, I I knew that if I took this to her, she was just gonna be in a bad position because she would have to, you know, obviously she would be obligated to take it to Cynthia and, and then all these lawyers. And I, I honestly don't think Troy would have recanted in front of lawyers. You know, I mean, I, he felt comfortable with me uh, not being an attorney, not being a cop. Uh, and even though he was not a fan of me because I called him a liar, as <laughs> Patricia said, because I called him a liar to his face. But, you know, there's got to be obviously there was a part of him that had to have realized that, well, he was lying. So, you know, that there, there was a reason for that. But anyway, Allison was thrilled about it. As I mentioned in the episode, I mean, it was for anybody that follows Allison on on Instagram. When when you saw all of a sudden her and her students were on an airplane and they were going to Dallas and then they were back and then they were back in Dallas again. And all that was working with the CIU with Troy. Exactly what's happened, I don't know. I mean, Allison has been kind enough to let me know because, of course, I want to know what's happening that that she is working with Cynthia, they are working with Troy, they have met with Troy, and all she's told me is things are going very well, but that's all I know. I don't have any details yet. Allison has promised to come on and do an interview as soon as she can. So so soon, we should have Allison herself come on, and she'll be able to explain what's happening, but there's just too much that can't be made public right now, so I haven't heard from her. But But from what I'm getting, the vibe I'm getting from Allison is that everything is going very, very well for Jesse right now. And Tierney wanted to know if you recorded that initial conversation with Allison. I did not. I think she would have killed me if I uh, recorded her without, without her knowledge. The only time I've ever done that was when she called me about Ed. And it just so ha- And that wasn't even, if you remember back in that episode, it wasn't even like through our soundboard. She had FaceTimed me. So I was sitting at my computer and she had FaceTimed me. And as soon as her face came up and I saw the tears running down her face, just instinctually, I grabbed my phone and hit video record and just put it up there just to capture something from whatever the hell she was about to tell me. But that was the only time I've ever done that. And then I had her, I had to ask her permission to use that. But no, I don't, I don't secretly record lawyers very often. Like, Almost never. Never. I never. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to say that, right? <laughs> never, ever. This next one's from Dean. I think the big question from my perspective is how this affects Jesse legally. I would love if there was a lawyer's perspective on how this changes the case. I wonder if you could ask Colin Miller to break it down for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought about that. I, a few people have asked if I could get a hold of Colin, and I could, but he, he doesn't. Colin will need answers to questions that I can't give him yet. And once I can get those answers, they, they're going to come from Allison, and Allison will most certainly be a better source because she's working the case. So I mean, we're going to get a very direct legal analysis of this and what it means from Jesse's attorney Allison Clayton when it's time. But where we're at right now, you know, it's it's just not possible. But you know, I, th- I think you know, I, I know I fully explained it before, but just, you know, to recap again, I th- I think my prediction is this will result in a new trial for Jesse and then the state will drop the charges. I don't think it'll result in actual innocence, but it'll send him home. Uh, but we still need to find out who killed Kiao Gove, and that's what's going to get actual innocence for Jesse and that's what's going to get justice for Kiao. Gail says, so much excitement from this week's episode and the way Season 7 ended. Great job, team. 
My question is, any chance that Bob, Zach, and Mike will be traveling to the Sunshine State in May for CrimeCon? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know yet. I really don't. We, Mike and I were just talking about this yesterday. We didn't even discuss it with Zach. If Zach wanted to go to CrimeCon. I wasn't invited yet. <laughs> right. Well, there. I, I don't want to get too much into it. I don't know. It, right now, really, what's coming down to is if Oxygen, who's a sponsor of CrimeCon, and also is where my TV show is going to be. If they want to promote the TV show at CrimeCon, then I will be there for sure, obviously. Uh, if we're not going to do a promotion there for the TV show, I don't know. It's a, it's a, gosh, I don't want to throw any shade, but it's an expensive trip for us. Let me put it this way. Considering the fact that the podcasters are, you know, the draw there that's making them their money almost all of the expense to go there lands on us. So that means everything from plane tickets to hotels to meals. And and so it's, it's a huge expense to undertake for us to go down to CrimeCon. And I just don't know. We've got too much going on. I don't know if we're going to do it this year. But I, w- I will keep you up to date and let you know for sure if we're going to be there or not. All right, Bob, that's it for questions this week. Before we close out, did you want to remind the listeners that we have some West Memphis 3 stuff coming up? Yep, that's right. As we mentioned at the end of Season 7 uh, last week, for the next three weeks, we are going to be probably doing some traveling and researching and preparing for Season 8. And to fill your earbuds for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is play a couple of interviews that we conducted during Season 5. That we, we I, I was holding off on airing these interviews because I thought we might use them in the TV show. As it's turned out, we did not use them in the TV show, and they're they're very, very interesting interviews. I have an exclusive interview with Damian Eccles, which is going to be this Sunday's episode. It's about an hour-long, really cool interview that I did in his apartment with him in, in New York. And then for the next two weeks, you're going to hear two parts of another really great interview I did with Jason Baldwin. I went down to his office in Austin, Texas, and, and we, did, we conducted a very long interview. Really cool stuff. So we're going to use those to make sure you guys have something to listen to. Uh, most of it's not real super case-specific, so it shouldn't create a whole lot of drama, but I'm sure some of the West Memphis 3 people will come back. But just really cool, interesting interviews, and that's going to give us the time to make sure that we are prepped and ready to go with Season 8 at the end of that. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I got to look because I know the Baldwin interview is well over two hours, and so depending on, uh, just to give you guys that heads up of what's happening, where we're at with the show prep for season eight. We may even break that into thirds, do a few 45-minute episodes just to to make sure that we have time to get everything together to deliver a fantastic season eight brand new case here in just a few weeks. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. A big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. 
If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fan page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. And what, what's the term? Absence of evidence isn't absence of innocence? Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. What? Yeah, I don't know. I blew that one. Glad you <laughs> no, got no, it, though. No, no. Let's have Zach say it right. No, 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 no. No, I'll leave it in there. It's fine. What is it? <laughs> See, I'll let you do it again. Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. So, God damn it. Well, where did I lead in with that? I'll just say it, and so, he can spice so it. So what is it? So it's absence of... You said, like, so what is it? Or we said, like, what's the saying? And then it's absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. God, I don't even know if I can do it. So what's the saying? Absence of innocent. God damn it. Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absinthe. God damn it. <laughs> the green liqueur that makes you hallucinate? This, I'm falling apart, man. <laughs> We're going to spend 10 minutes of me trying to get this one fucking saying right. This is your last chance. Then you just I'll, I'll like clean you up real nice. <laughs> I I'm, I'm screwed. Just edit yourself in there. This is the worst. I've fallen apart. Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. That's exactly. Right, that's good. So I can grab that. Can, here. can you use that? Is yeah, that like? Yeah. Is that yeah. Like, yeah.